Dadhood. Modern Dadhood Podcast. Can you believe it? It's another episode. It is. It's another episode. I can believe it. And I'm excited. In quarantine. Episode number um, three in quarantine? How many have we had in quarantine? Yeah, I think three. We've been recording some interviews with folks and uh, mix matching a little bit. But man, what a strange time to be alive. Where are we? Can you describe to the folks at home where, where I am? Well, I'm looking at you on Zoom and I see beautiful periwinkle colored walls i see a shelf over your head that looks slightly crooked but i have a feeling it's just the angle of your laptop and i happen to know that you're sitting on a beautiful piece of porcelain i am on a toilet i am it's closed is it Mm -hmm. which it just it just becomes a chair when it's closed you know what man i'm not here to judge if it feels good and sounds good do it this is modern dadhood Sure is. Right? <laughs> sure is. I've almost forgotten. You wouldn't forget. No, I can't forget the name. It's an ongoing conversation about the joys, challenges, and general insanity of being a dad in this moment. And a moment it is. I, I would say exceptionally insane these days. My name's Adam Flaherty. I'm a dad of two daughters, six and three. And my name is Mark Checkett, and I am a dad of twin boy toddlers. Before we get in too deep here, Mark, I want to give a shout out to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio. Pete has been mixing our podcast as of late, and he's got a fantastic studio in Portland, Maine, where he tracks bands and voiceovers, but he also does really great post-production work, mixing and mastering. And I've had a lot of people say to me, Adam, I really love Modern Dadhood. It sounds so professional. A lot of that has to do with the recommendations and the mixing of Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio. And anything you've heard that doesn't sound polished and professional, pretty much guaranteed Pete wasn't involved in those segments. So thank you to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio. If you need any mixing, mastering, etc., check out redvaultaudio.com and email Pete and uh, mention Modern Dadhood. So, you know, he knows that we sent you. Do you think Pete Morse knows Morse code? Rumor has it, it was his great-grandfather, Alastair Morse, who invented Morse code. Well, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to Pete in my own way, then, if you'll just indulge me for a second. Of course. How about it? Pete, this is a message just for you. Dot, dot, dash, dash, dot, dot, dash, 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 dot, dot, dash. Dot, dash. <laughs> the only thing I know for certain is that it wasn't SOS. <laughs> Or was it? it wasn't. I, no, it wasn't. You're right. No, you're right. You know Morse code well enough to know that that was not SOS. Thank yeah. God. Pete know. So it seems we have a new wave of listeners and subscribers, and I'd like to give a welcome to you, moms and dads. It's nice to have you on board. I hope you're really enjoying what you're hearing on Modern Dadhood. Mark, do you want to give a quick refresher on what Modern Dadhood is all about? I guess. Well, they, they know who we are now, so that's good. I think one thing that's important to note to any new listeners is that me and Adam, we are not experts Mm -mm. in this stuff. I mean, I don't want to drag you down. I don't want to crush any hopes you might've had in, in finally finding a couple of brilliant specialists to get you through those hard times. We're not experts. We're just regular couple of regular dads trying to figure this out as we, uh, as we go. But we do talk to a lot of people 
We talk to um, dads of young kids, dads of older kids, dads of much older kids. In fact, we've had one or two uh, grandfathers on the show, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah. So you'll hear from a lot of different perspectives. Um, And so you're guaranteed to learn something. You just might not learn something from me. If you want to learn a little bit more in depth about modern dadhood, jump back to episode one called The Setup, where we really kind of lay out our philosophy for the show and what inspired it. We also have some really fun FAQ videos on our website and social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where we answer some of those frequently asked questions in a rather silly manner. I would say silly. You also get to see our gorgeous faces. The last thing I'll say about it, and then I promise to shut up, is that if you sign up for our email list at moderndadhood.com, that's a great way to stay in the loop on when new episodes come out. And also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're very easy to find, and we love connecting and engaging with the listeners and talking about being dads, right? All dads, all the dad time. Adam, uh-huh. as you know, there are a, a ton of great resources out there, right? Pages to follow on Facebook, websites, YouTube channels, all sorts of stuff to get some really good like parenting, fatherhood type content, right? Yes, go on. One of my favorites, I think you know about this one, is called The Dad. You know, I am aware of The Dad. You, you know The Dad? And I have a hunch that a lot of our listeners are probably aware of the dad, too. Probably. They have like a, I don't remember, I think like a bajillion, maybe, followers on Facebook. Yeah, somewhere right up close to a bajillion. Like a bajillion. They got a lot of followers because they have some super fun content, right? It's At times, it's kind of sentimental. They've got jokes up there. They've got great stories that they uh, convey stories that they find out there on the internet and that they relay through their uh, Facebook page or their Instagram account. One of the things that I think that the dad does so exceptionally well is takes these everyday things that we all experience as parents and shines a light on how ridiculous they can be. And it's never done sarcastically. It's always sincere and embracing the craziness. Yeah. So one of the team members at The Dad is a comedian named Matt Fisher. He's a writer. He is an actor. He appears in tons of their video content that just gets shared like crazy. Matt also semi-regularly appears on The Strahan and Sarah Show, hosted by Michael Strahan. What do you mean, Michael Strahan? So the dude's kind of a big deal, and I'm very pleased to welcome him onto Modern Dadhood. Hi, Matt. Hi, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Awesome to meet you, Matt. Matt, this is week five or six of quarantining due to this weird pandemic. You've got two sons. How are you holding up? Uh, We're maintaining, I'd say. Like, I, you know, there's so many caveats that you give about your situation whenever you describe this to people. Like, we're safe and sound. Uh, You know, my wife and I are still working, uh, which is, let's treat that as purely a blessing for the purposes of this description. Um, You know, like we can stay in our house, the grocery stores are up and all that stuff, but it is difficult. Like it is just about all we can manage. Uh, We're in Brooklyn. So we are like 
in the soup in some senses, although like we're, you know, pretty much uh, safe at this point, but like outside is a challenge and the the density around here makes it tough to run the kids around, especially with no kind of uh, end in sight or no real way to describe to the boys like what comes next. I'll never appreciate a playground as much as the next time I go and want to go on the swing. So much to take for granted. Yeah, that's that's I, I feel kind of lucky in a sense because my kids are so young. I have twins and they're um they're just a, a little over two years old. So it's like those conversations aren't really necessary. They're not asking questions like that. I mean, periodically they kind of remember that they're not in daycare anymore and they think about their teachers and so they'll say a teacher's name and then they'll kind of get this sad look and all we kinda of have to do is sort of say like well, we're not going to see, we're not going to see Mrs. Grace today. And then you can just be like, look, here's a train and then get them off the, you know, get them off the, um, the topic. But yeah, with all of this, you know, with all of this heavy topics and all these heavy topics and all this kind of stuff going around, we, you know, Adam and I were talking, you're, you're a comedian. We, we started wondering, and it's like the question came up, are things still even funny? Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, completely. Like, or is that like the right, is that the proper position for me to take vis-a-vis the situation? You know, like yeah. is that the tool, is that the proper tool at hand. And on the one hand, you know, you think of like satire and you think of like, you know, obviously somebody needs to kind of be, you know, moral in an apolitical way or, you know, speak to right and wrong, speak to people's emotional experience. But on a minute to minute basis, like empathy is a new thing and respect mm. is a new thing. And, you know, like, the role of sarcasm in this situation is a lot more tenuous than it was when we were fighting about uh, other stuff. Yeah, that's an awesome point. It's funny. Our conversation didn't even go there the other night. And you're absolutely right. Comedies can be like sarcasm can be a, a way, a tool that people use to sort of get through something or process something. Right. But you're you're seeing so much more of the other stuff, too. But you're right. You know, you've got John Krasinski out there doing the um, some good news. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's such an awesome counterbalance. It's still funny. Oh, for sure. Like it's something that people really need right now. They need to hear like, oh, these are the social ties that hold us together. And, you know, like, but, you know, I think about that in terms of my kids, like they hear about the germs and they hear us tell them to wash their hands and they, you know, they see what we do when we mask up to go to the store or whatever. And that's all like a very negative context. So I've been trying to think of like, okay, well, what do, what can we tell them that's good news? And and especially with my older son, I pass along a lot of uh, Governor Cuomo's updates, just like sort of factual, level-headed, here's what we're doing, here are the numbers, here's how bad it is, here's what we need. And But, you know, that's kind of an unalloyed political respect that I don't want to like necessarily inculcate in my kids, you know, like, and so talking about him, you know, my older son was like, wait, is this one of the guys we like? And I'm like, well... Yeah, he's like doing a good job, but like let's let's keep some perspective on uh, uh, who who we're allowed to uh, idolize and who are, who who deserves a, a second look. Without uh, allowing this conversation to to become too political, uh, it's interesting to live in a time where our kids are asking, you know, when they see a public figure, is this somebody that we like or we don't like? <laughs> it's just a, it's a very it's a very strange concept rather than this is this person is a leader and we respect them, you know, whether or not we agree with everything that they're saying. So speaking to the question of are things still funny, while it may be harder to write humorous content when there's so much negativity and so many scary things around us. I feel like that's something that the dad does really well. You're creating humor that is, there's no risk of offending anybody. It's only a welcomed distraction for people. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I think so. Well, you know, um, it certainly is escapist in that way. Although, you know, just like everybody, like it's all COVID now, you know, uh, as soon as this all happened in the, our production team scattered to the winds, the big challenge was like, how are we going to produce content? Like what's the content schedule going to look like? How do we meet all those obligations? And, uh, that first, like one of those first nights I sent around an email and it was like literally a Jerry Maguire moment. I was like, you know, I'm in this house with my kids and they're scared and I don't know what to do. And so, although my obligation is here to like make comedy with you guys and make content and, and do all this stuff, like if I literally have to turn my back on my kids to get that done in my heart of hearts, and this is as a dad and, you know, like being a dad is obviously a huge part of like how I make content and what I make content about. And if that's my obligation, both here in the office and in my home, like my heart is with my kids, you know? And immediately the, what that led me to was this thing that I'm trying to do now, it's called At Home with Matt, where... You know, it's like a direct-to-camera series where, you know, I just talk about what's happening in my home, try and collect as much input from commenters and viewers, like have it be sort of a clearinghouse for good ideas and anxieties and the things that are going on. So, you know, you know, your question sort of says, like, to what extent is it escapist? You know, you make comedy of it, but it's much more sort of like we were talking about before. It's much more a comedy of solidarity, almost. There's no, there's no talking around it. And I think we realized that, you know, if the content that we kept putting out didn't acknowledge what was going on, then that would feel very alienating and uh, sort of sort of false to people. So that's the challenge: is you can't talk around it, but how do you make uh, how do you make comedy out of it? So let's talk about dadhood. Um, I'm sure most, if not all, of our listeners are aware of the dad. Um, tell us how you became involved as a writer and on screen talent for the dad. Yeah, I've I've worked uh, at the dad. I started there about. Uh, two Thanksgivings ago, last fall or previous to last fall. And I was hired on as a, as a writer, but it was a very, very small team. One of the great things about the dad is that uh, the content comes from a, from a real small team of creators. Uh, Nick Fabiano and Ben Stumpf and uh, Joel Willis kind of made this thing and nobody ever said like, this is what the voice is going to be, or this is what the kind of, you know, mission statement is going to be, but it's become this great thing. And I feel like it's pretty well aligned with uh, your mission too. We don't, do a lot of sarcasm about your obligation to your kids. I and mean, it's not, you know, like, oh, the old ball and chain. And uh, I wish I was down at the bar. Um, <laughs> right. And so that's, I think, great. That's to me is the very positive part of it is like, how do you, we acknowledge all those, all those temptations and all those kind of split loyalties. But at the same time, like, how does a person in this modern, you know, divided world and the fragmented schedule, how are you there for your kids? You know, how, what, what does that role, what does that role look like? It seems to come up a lot that there's been, like a shift over the years where dads have just naturally become more involved. And it's not like we're looking to be celebrated for that or like recognized for going above and beyond when in the past, that's been more of the mom's role. But as you are sitting around with your team of content creators there and sort of talking about this philosophy, have you guys ever had an epiphany of what might have led to this kind of shifting of sands in terms of just the role of the father? Um, well, I mean, my take on it is that it's just kind of the economic squeeze, you know, like I, uh, I grew up in a family where my dad, my dad worked and my mom gave up her career. And when, when she had the kids, like she decided that her obligation was in, in the home 24 seven and I'm a great beneficiary of that. And, uh, you know, the challenge for my dad was just as, you know, daunting, you know, he ended up working two and three jobs and, uh, you know, really, uh, sacrificed that way. 
So if you have a thing where, you know, people's time is more divided and it's less a thing of like less a gender split of like who's going to work and who's not going to work. If everybody's going to try and juggle all this stuff at the same time, this is, these are some of the questions I think you guys and, and we are trying to, trying to solve this, yeah. you know, what does it look like? What does it look like when dad cooks? Cause that's a, for better or worse, that's a problem that uh, is of recent vintage a little bit. Mm. What's great about y'all. And I think about the dad is that we don't pretend that that's some sort of insurmountable challenge to the male identity that caring for kids and having, having that role is perfectly compatible with, you know, modern masculinity for, for lack of a better term. And it's nice to, it's nice to be in the, the public eye saying like, we're doing our best. I'm not sweating. This is a challenge to my, uh, my role as a, as a red meat eater or whatever. <laughs> and we're, we're solving it as best we can day by day for our kids. I was just thinking back to one of our, our, like a previous guest of ours who, um, I just, I love the way that he put it. Can he talked about how some of his friends, I think he was kind of talking about some of his like older family members and people who comment something like, Oh, it's, it's so great that you, you like, like to be with your kids and that you take the time. And it seems like you really love your kids. And his response was like, that's cause that's what you're supposed to do. I just love the way he put it. Cause you could tell it was, it wasn't a whole lot to it other than that's it. And I think, um, I mean, maybe it's subconscious or I don't know, but I think I, I too sort of just picked up on the cues of like the positive actions and, and responses that I witnessed from my parents. And just now I'm putting them forward now that I have kids. Well, you know, it's funny. I think that also hearing you describe it that way, my experience has been that now the, now the identification flows in the other direction a little bit, mm. like, um, the life I've chosen of like, you know, doing comedy and trying to pursue all that stuff. And, um, even just living in the city, it's something that my family finds very alienating, you know, from day one, even when I, you know, like I lived in Boston for a while and, uh, you know, like my relatives would come to our apartment in Boston and be like, who, who, someone else lives, someone else upstairs. That's like some other house, you know? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, I've made a whole series of decisions that make no sense to anyone in my family, particularly my parents. But once we had kids and they see me with my boys, they're like, oh, there is like a continuity here. There's, you know, like, oh, we didn't, we didn't just give birth to an alien, you know, like mm-hmm. this, you know, our, the family identi- identity lives and the values have been passed on. Even if, uh, you know, my parents wouldn't live in Brooklyn uh, for a lot of money. <laughs> Matt, why do you think that the role of dad is such a great opportunity for humor? Um, that's a good question. I think that, well, one is that it's, uh, it's not a, obviously it's not a universal situation, but it is a situation in parenthood and, and, uh, those kind of things are very widely shared. So these challenges and the things that we bring up are, uh, you know, familiar to a lot of people, men and women, you know, like, uh, the dad has, uh, plenty of female followers too. So there's that. But I think that, you know, it, uh, it kind of ladders up to larger questions of like what it means to be a person, you know, and especially now in these COVID coronavirus times, the, the practical situations we find ourselves in really do ask you like, all right, you're a person, you like these shows, you want to spend your time doing X, Y, Z. But unfortunately, or fortunately, you're a member of a society. So what's your obligation to the guy next door? What's your obligation to, you know, the people on CNN? And in what arena is that more played out more personally than your obligation to your kids? Where, you know, like as a first order moral issue, you know that like you drag these kids into this world. It's your job to answer for, you know, their situation. 
Yeah. And I think by and large, and as we're talking about more and more, people don't see that as like some sort of uh, giant uh, imposition. People do understand that on a, on a personal level. But there's comedy, I think, in the fact that no matter how seriously you take that, in the middle of the night, when the bunny has gone missing from the bed and everybody's up running around the house screaming, your, your moral sense and your moral obligation, and no matter how seriously you take it, it only lives so far into the middle of the, <laughs> the night. You right, know, or, right. So, you know, in a, in a way, the relationship that people have with their kids, you know, you, you think about your morals, you think about your politics, you think about any of that stuff. You don't ever like live out all that stuff all at once. What it is, is it's a series of minute decisions about, well, are you going to make breakfast or not? Are you, is this going to be a healthy one or not? You know, are you going to model good behavior in the next 10 minutes or not? And mm -hmm. it's funny to me, the poetry of comedy and the poetry of, you know, parenthood a little bit is to say that like, no matter how lofty your goals are, you're going to meet them like one tiny incremental decision at a time and connecting your, your larger goals to your ability to, uh, you know, give, give a good bath for the 750th time. That's like a, that's a very funny human situation to be in, I think. What you're saying is that it's, it's a combination of subject matter that is relatable to both mothers and fathers, right? And the content is obviously, is obviously very strong and shareable because it's so relatable. Are there any other secrets to cultivating such a strong and devoted following? You know, it's interesting you say that because we don't really bear down on the strategy of it too much. And we don't, you know, as we write sketches and we come up with ideas for stuff to do, it's very rarely that we're like, oh, does that kind of violate the ethos of this project <laughs> or whatever? Yeah. You know, like, you know, although the dad does have a very kind of, I think, uh, specific voice and, a, you know, like a role we want to play, it's weird. It's sort of a, a, an, a Ouija board uh, operation that, that comes out of our collective decisions without too much stressing out over it. I think, you know, well, you know, and also I think that that's part of the the fact that it's comedy first. I think that if our voice was something else, I think you go a lot further wrong with that because comedy to me is first and foremost, can you be careful enough in your communication to how do you, how do you tease empathy and sympathy out of people? How do you, you know, reveal to people that your perspective and my perspective for all the differences in our circumstances are not that different. That's comedy, you know, and the ability to do that is, is comedy at its heart. Comedy is the ability to say like, I am, I'm very different than you. And I'm, you know, first and foremost, because I'm willing to make an ass of myself on the internet. But I do that because the, the punchline is like a revelation of the idea of like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, me too. Me too. You know, like that thing, you, you know, you've brought up a stressful thing and, and the punchline is, you know what, that, that the stress, I see it in myself and we smash those two things together and it alleviates it a little bit. So the point being that I'm glad that we're in comedy a little bit, that, the, that it's a comedic approach first, because I think it solves kind of that problem that you're talking about. So the funnier you can be, uh, the more, the more people trust you a little bit, I think. So that's the saving grace of uh, comedy, hopefully, is that it works best when you get a sense that the person on the other end of the line uh, is a, you know, is a decent, is a decent chap or lady. Matt Fisher, thanks so much for the great conversation. I hope you and your family stay safe and healthy, and we look forward to more great content from the dad. Thank you. Likewise. And, uh, and likewise from the podcast, wish you guys the best and, uh, and all the luck in the world. And uh, let's keep tabs on each other. Let's do this again soon.
Mark, you breathe, right? I just did. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I do it. I do it often. Any guess as to how many breaths you take each day in a 24 hour period? Are you about to blow my mind with like a, like a number, some sort of statistic here? <laughs> I don't have a statistic, but while you're thinking about it, I'm going to Google it. Okay. Well then I'm going to guess how many times do you breathe? How many times the average human breathe? I'm just thinking here. Quick math. Nine. I'm sorry, nine breaths a day. <laughs> Hold on. I was never really good at math. Um, <clears throat> um, I'm going to say you probably breathe like a quarter of a million, quarter of a million times, 250,000 times uh, in a 24 in a hour period. Yeah. It's not that much. It's not that much. You breathe about 16 breaths per minute. That's 960 breaths an hour. That's 23,000 breaths a day. Okay. I was on the right track though, because mm. I came to 20, well, you said 16 breaths a minute. Yeah. Roughly. My math was going to bring us to 20 breaths a minute. Okay. Well, and then somewhere along the line, you multiplied by 10. Yeah. Well, I reached my limit with math and that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Stay in school, kids. The real reason I'm asking you about breathing is because I was surfing the Instagram the other day. And I follow Mark Duplass, uh, actor, director. Oh, heck yeah. I love, I love Mark Duplass. He posted something about a virtual breathwork session hosted by a practitioner named Carly Jo Carson. And Mark has worked with her before and said something to the effect of her breathwork has literally changed my life. And that intrigued me. Breathwork is something that I've looked into in the past, tried on a very small scale, but I think there's really something to it in terms of its power to help you work through things and to lower your stress. And so I said, what the heck? I signed up for this virtual session and I logged onto this Zoom meeting with people from all over the country and we went for it. Uh, Carly put on a, this music track that kind of waxed and waned, and it was a combination of, of sounds and music and speaking and singing, and we breathed heavily, like in and out fast for 70 minutes. Wait a minute. I just want to reiterate, you did this for more than an hour? Yeah, man, and it did not feel even close to that. Holy cow, dude. And I'll tell you, man, I my head was tingling, my shoulders were tingling, my hands and feet were like ice cold. It was an experience that I've never felt before. This is not a paid endorsement or anything like that. I just wanted to share my experience because it was so cool and I'm looking forward to doing it again. If any dads or moms listening would like to check it out, just go to carlyjoecarson.com where you can find more information. Highly recommended. I think that finds us at the um, that finds us at the end of the episode. It feels like we were just at the beginning of the episode and here we are at the end. It does. That's what's that's what happens with you. When you're with someone you love, Adam. That's what happens. I adore you. Dads, you can find us at moderndadhood.com or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Oh, Adam, mm -hmm. I was just thinking we should tell everyone about our super cool dad joke promo. For sure. Mm. Do it. Okay. Well, um, dads, we are putting together a super fun episode all about dad jokes. Got any good dad jokes right now? 
I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, okay. Um, two cannibals are eating a clown. Wait, what? One of them looks at the other and says, does this taste funny to you? <laughs> Adam, do you know what one ocean said to the other ocean? Oh, oh, uh, nothing. It just waves. <laughs> you son of a... Yeah, it's because my kid tells me that one. So we're putting together this episode about dad jokes, and what we want from you dads out there is to call the number 603-431-5465 and leave your best dad joke. And if it's really good, we're going to put it on the show, and a few lucky people are going to win a prize by Brewmate. Call, leave a voicemail, and you might win a prize. We would invite you to drop us a line anytime at hey at moderndadhood.com. want to say thanks for all of the ratings and reviews. Please keep them coming. They help us out so much. And we're also really grateful for any word of mouth. So please tell your dad friends and mom friends to find us on Apple Podcasts. Mark, we've got a goodbye to say this evening. I don't want to say it. I'm not going to say it. Come on, don't make me do it. I'm just afraid. To get sad in front of everyone. Well, same. You want to flip a coin? I'll say it. All kidding aside, we're going to say a fond farewell. Farewell. And a big final thank you. Thank you. To our intern, Nick Rose, who is ending his time as the Modern Dadhood intern. Nick, you've been fantastic to us, and we owe you a very sincere thank you for all the hard work and great ideas you brought to the table. Thanks to Casper Baby Pants, as always, and Spencer Albee and Bubby Lewis for the wonderful music in our podcast. Thank you again to Pete Morse at Red Vault Audio for making us sound good. And thanks to you. And thank you to you, the listeners.